With preseason week three coming up, Robert and Nick take a stab at predicting the Chicago Bears 53-man roster. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Robert Schmitz. I'm here with Nick Whalen. And Nick, what a great day to be talking Chicago Bears. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I feel like that's every day, but there's... <laughs> exciting news that happened today there's rumors going out i kind of want to just get started if you're cool with it let's jump um, in I'm, I'm much older than you but i was born in 85 the, the special bears year you know what i mean yes and uh we just got uh news today as bear fans or i guess all nfl fans that steve mongo mcmichael uh, was named one of the three senior finalists for the pro football hall of fame in 2024 and from what i gather they Still have to vote on that in January, but really good chance he'll get in. I think that's really, really amazing. I mean, given what he's been battling for years, I am too young, unfortunately, to have watched the 85 teams. And I say that because as good as I got was the 2006 Rex Grossman era. And the year after that, he was immediately replaced. So been on the roller coaster. But to see a warrior like Mongo fighting through what he's been fighting through to get acknowledged at this point in his life, I think it's a really cool thing. And I'm so excited for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the best defense of all time. You think adding in even more guys to the Hall of Fame just makes sense? Yeah, right, right. And then you know there is another story we ought to talk about because suddenly everybody wants to talk about. We're recording on Wednesday night that the Bears are inquiring about Jonathan Taylor. Nick, <laughs> I, look, I don't want to immediately get on here and spit fire, but let's start with you. What do you think about the whole situation? So. You know, I know people are going to say it's not an important position, uh, but in the end, I mean, the better players you have at all positions, the better you will be. So Jonathan Taylor would be an upgrade. That's that's a minimum amount to, to kind of acknowledge there. Um, I, I think it's twofold because one, you have to pay him. And yep. something that's baked into that, that people need to realize too, like let's say you offer him a three-year deal, four-year deal. You get this one year right now that's somewhat cheap baked into the extra three or four after that. It's not going to be all guaranteed. So there's a little bit of a gamesmanship going on on top of the compensation you have to trade for him. So there's there's a lot mixed in with it. My question to you is, I know what I would offer. And and, and this would be interesting because we're getting to know each other still. What would you offer for Jonathan Taylor? Realistically, I don't think I would. If only because I would tend to think that I would have a conversation with Chris Ballard. I would ask him, what are you looking for? He'd say, man, we're talking about Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about a guy who was rumored to be a potential MVP or offensive player of the year not long ago. You know I need at least a second round pick. And I'd say, get out of here, man. You know <laughs> I can't do that. Because, I mean, you look at the Bears running back room. I am a pretty moderate person. At least I like to think so. And I think the Bears have maybe the most modern construction at the running back position that the rest of the league would be trying to emulate going forward. You have a former sixth round pick in Khalil Herbert that is your electric speed back, rips off chunks, creates explosives. You've now paired him with a fourth round pick. So two day three picks in Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert. You've brought in a one year veteran minimum running back that just rushed for almost a thousand yards last year and by the way you have a speed back special teamer that's really really sound as a pass catcher and pass protector i mean this is a well-rounded four-man room you could say there's some redundancy we'll get into the show later but you know no spoilers but yeah. jonathan taylor would have to supersede one of them he would supersede all of them without any question but there isn't a bears running back that you look at in here and say well we don't have a guy that can do blank somebody can do blank a one guy, Roshan Johnson, can, debate, can debatably do everything. And so I guess I look at Taylor, I'm like you, I think that actually we have so nerded out on the running back position, we've made it sound like talent isn't a thing. And Brock Purdy would disagree because his checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey got him to where he was and, and yeah. won him. I mean, that's a huge part of this. Saquon Barkley with the Giants, like great players at an important position like running back do great things. The problem is Jonathan Taylor has managed to make 24 years old look old. And it's it, it, the injuries are already starting to creep in. So I don't know, man. You tell me, what would you do? And would Chris Ballard like it? 
All right. So let me make a case for Taylor. Okay. Basically. So if you do trade for Taylor, because we are going to talk about depth chart and we'll get to more of that here in a yes. bit. If you do trade for Taylor, I think that you include Khalil Herbert in the deal Have because to. he's on a cheap contract. It wouldn't make sense if you redundant, as you said. So he would be gone. And I think actually you would cut Deontay Foreman. You'd save a million dollars by cutting him because then you'd have Roshan, Taylor, and Homer as your three guys. And that saves you kind of a roster spot, at least. That's a preview to what I'm going to be talking about with depth chart later is with four running backs. So that's one part of this. You would save a roster spot. And like I talked about with the contract, that's a big part of this. If I were to trade for him, it would be, I mean, you could say a three or four year deal, $13 million per, which uh, I have some numbers here. Sport Track had that as the estimate. Uh, one of my buddies, Brad Spielberger, who is awesome at PFF, by the way, if you guys aren't following him, do follow him. Great guy, but also great information. He says it's going to be about $15 million per, $35 million guaranteed. So it'd be more expensive for me. So if I were to do it, it would have to be 13 a year, two years guaranteed, but then I'm wrapping in this already cheap one year. So it'd be actually 11 million for three years. And if you map that out, Justin Fields gets his extension, but his fifth year option, it would run out right at that time. So it, right when his contract balloons and you can't afford things, you can cut Taylor for free. So I would give up if that were to happen, this in terms of how much it would cost, I would give up Khalil Herbert and a third round pick this next year because I would still have the two ones and the two to fix D-line and maybe O-line. And then I would have someone else that can take less of the pounding off of fields in the run game, which is also a goal. And that would be huge. I mean, I think Taylor would be an objective upgrade overall over Khalil Herbert. The problem for me is that I, I think a player just like Herbert is the ideal pair for Justin Fields. I mean, to me, this is 100% just my opinion. Fields draws so much attention in the run game that having a back that can explode and rip off massive chunk runs and shift the defense back towards him is so core. And... Taylor can absolutely do that. I'm not trying to pretend that Jonathan Taylor can't create explosive runs, but he's also a bit more of a contact seeker than Khalil Herbert is. I don't know. I I guess I look at it, and to me, I can't help feeling like it's a bit of a luxury move. I talk about oh, yeah. this all the time, Nick. You're going to hear this to death, but I put all kinds of players into, are you icing or are you cake? And I actually feel like the Bears have enough running backs to consider that, that position caked. And whatever upgrade you would get from Herbert to Taylor feels like icing. And I'm not mm -hmm. one to overvalue a third round pick. If you got a, if you got Taylor for a relatively cheap contract, I guess, uh, that you could get out of on schedule and it only cost you a third round pick, you should definitely consider it. But I would be surprised if the Colts would. If only yeah. because you're giving up a major asset and all you're mm -hmm. getting is potentially Valus Jones. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. The, the only other thing I did, and this is a little bit more fun just for Twitter, because sure. the, the, the rumored price tag is a first-round pick or value equivalent of a first, right. which I don't think that anyone would give up the value equivalent of a first, any team for a running back in general right now. We saw the how the Austin Eckler thing went. Right. Um, is if they if we gave up a second and they threw in DeForest Buckner as well, because he's yes. 29, that fills a need, a bigger need for us. And if they're trying to unload and, and rebuild, Hey, we'll take a guy that's going to help us right now while the kids still develop. Like that makes way more sense for me. Now that's asking a lot. They're probably not going to give it, but no, Hey, that's good if, fun. If somehow you worked out a baseball style contract where we took Taylor for the, but also we got DeForest Buckner as part of the deal, as if it lowered the price. Oh my gosh, I'm all in. Because I look at DeForest Buckner, I look at Chris Jones, and I think you got one of those pieces, and this defense goes from flawed, but who knows, spicy on the back end, to okay, this is a complete defense now. Like, mm -hmm. we can take a real step forward, and Eberflus can pitch his fastball. And so, I mean, obviously that'd be amazing, but it's pretty pie in the sky, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so whatever, just just fun, Jonathan oh, Taylor, yeah. rumors, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited, man. I have a lot of information, I'm sure you do too, so about good. the depth chart stuff. 
Uh, how do you want to start this? I'll, let's go position by position. And while I would normally start with quarterback, we're not going to. Because surprisingly enough, I think the Bears put themselves in position where the inclusion of a specific quarterback would be kind of hot takey or not. Also, let's get one thing out of the way, Nick. Hey, Nick, do you have access to practice footage of the Bears camp? Yes or no? No. Neither do I. So all we have is the preseason footage, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because most of these decisions are going to be made off of practice footage that neither Nick or I have access to. So I'm willing to get a little loose with this. I try to be really accurate, and I think my list is pretty doggone good, Nick, if I do say so myself. But I definitely included a couple things that I would do that I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles would not. So let's go ahead and start with an easy one. Fullback. Do you have anybody more than Kari Blazing Game? No. Check mark. Moving on. St- <laughs> you you tell me your offensive line. Who do you have in the room? Uh, so it's going to be interesting if, if Tevin Jenkins gets IR'd, but um, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright. I mean, probably the easiest five, right? So then uh, Lucas Patrick, mm-hmm. uh, Jatire Carter, or how do you say Jatire? I've been saying Jatire. I looked it up. I would swear to you it's Jatire, but I'm wrong okay. all the time on these things. All right, Jatire Carter. We'll go with that. Uh, and then Alex Leatherwood. So I looked into if they were to not keep Leatherwood. I think he would be the ninth one. And because he was that first-round pick and because they claimed him, they took on his salary, it would be $4.59 million of dead cap. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping Alex Leatherwood. Did you include Borum? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Larry Borum. I knew he was in there because you said ninth. And I was like, he's good Borum. (laughs) See, there you go. There's one error already. We match up. I I tried to find a bunch of ways to not keep Alex Leatherwood and make him the last man out to where Tevin Jenkins would be IR'd and then he would get brought in. But I ultimately just don't think that given the injured state of the Bears offensive line, that they're going to take the chance that eight offensive linemen would bring. There are going to be some guys like Doug Kramer. Wouldn't be surprised if they try to get into the practice squad again, as well as a couple others. Kramer, I think, is interesting. I mean, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Nick. He's actually a pretty solid run blocker. Moves really well in open space, but he is getting smoked when a nose tackle brings power. And that's in both the run game and in the passing game and constant reports from camp. So still needs a little work in that area to see if he can fix the Ronas Grassu problem, you know? So, oh man, that's nightmares. Uh, so <laughs> I, I actually have another lineman that would have been my next, he's my first one out. I guess I have a list of that. Like yep. the first two that are out. The next lineman that I would keep would is just for how I like to, uh, I don't know, keep the team together yep. and versatility would be Kellen Deach, who, who I, I think that's how you say his last name. Deach. Um, I like him athletic, young. He was on the squad last year. got cut in, you know, for in the end of camp. Um, he's doing well, I think this year as well. And he's another tackle. So like right yes. now you have white hair and Davis and, um, Jenkins, Patrick Leatherwood, all the interior guys. That's a lot of interior. All you have is Larry Borum as a, your backup tackle and having two backup tackles makes more sense than having six guys on the inside. I'm sure whether we like it or not, they would consider Alex Leatherwood to be <laughs> a shatter the glass tackle. Right. And it doesn't hurt anything that this 53 that we're putting together, the Bears are first on the waiver wire. Nick, like there's going to be, chances are, a couple players the Bears are going to have a very, very easy shot at to replace guys on their roster if they want to. An offensive lineman could easily be one of them. I look at a guy like Kellen Deesh. They got him on the practice squad last year. If you can do it once, why wouldn't you be able to do it again? I imagine Mm -hmm. he will easily remain a Chicago Bear, but just not on the 53. There, as I went through this, I realized, I don't know about you, Nick, that the 53 actually is pretty hard to make. Like, you can iron out and tamp down 48 to 50 of these spots and start really wiggling. I do think it gets a little weird, but let's get to that point in the conversation. How many tight ends did you have? Uh, I got three. I think that's pretty simple, right? Easy. Kmet, Tanyan, Mercedes, Lewis. They took four last year. I don't think that they have a fourth. Maybe Carlson shines, but I think that they still get their special teams in other places. That's another part of this conversation I want to take really deadly seriously. Honestly, Nick, is Mm -hmm. this team has to have a requisite amount of special teamers. We're not building a Madden roster. Guys have to play teams. And so 
with the amount of running backs that they have, with some of their wide receivers, and definitely with some of their defenders, they need to make up for what the tight end room last year did, because Wesco, among others, played a lot of teams. Ryan Griffin, I think, played a lot of teams, but I think that they're going to get plenty out of the tight or out of the other players that they have, especially their linebackers, but we'll get there. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver. I have Moore, Mooney, Claypool, Tyler Scott, Equinamius St. Brown, and Valus Jones. I think Valus's argument on the roster is that he's going to play an absolute load of teams. Like, everybody looks at punt return, but I'm talking kickoff coverage, punt gunner, punt, maybe not, probably not punt returner, but kick returner. Like, Valus Jones is going to be one of the special teams guys and a gadget receiver on offense that has legitimate value. I also think that everybody looks at Equinamia St. Brown and they see a guy that can't play receiver, and I would point everybody to Jordan Rodgers Rodrigue in the Athletics Play Caller series. I would point to the, I think it's episode three, where Sean McVay talks about how much he likes big wide receivers that block like tight ends. Equinemius St. Brown is a better blocker than Robert Tanyan. Equinemius St. Brown is a better blocker, maybe even Cole Komet on some days. Equinemius St. Brown can block Nick, and the Bears love it. Like, I don't think he's a very great receiver either, but you can line him up at the X receiver position and get all the blocking of Alan Lazard and more. Now, I wish that he had Alan Lazard's receiving ability, but you gotta take what you get, and big guys at that size that can play are hard to find. Maybe the Bears look for one uh, in this waiver wire heap, but he knows the offense, so he can slot in and obviously play next to any role in the playbook. What do you have? Yeah, no, and I mean, that's why they have Mercedes Lewis on the roster too, because he mm -hmm. can block and he's a plus blocker. And when you think of big plays, like those huge chunk plays or touchdown plays, there's blocking down the field that's mm -hmm. happening. And, that, and that, these are the type of guys that you need to make that happen. Another reason why I think um, Equinemius St. Brown's going to make the roster, um, he doesn't save them a lot of money if they cut him. I mean, it, it, it it's almost like the bare minimum. So that's right. one thing I really looked into is like, okay, how much would it be if they dead cap versus like, like, like Pettis, they save twice as much if they cut Pettis versus if they cut St. Brown, you and know, he doesn't so like, play teams. Yeah, like, exactly. So I always factor all that stuff in here. Mm -hmm. And the main thing I look at, cause I'm glad you brought up Mercedes Lewis. I think that's an easy misconception not to call you out, Nick, but like there's, a lot of people that would look and they'd say, well, they can get their blocking from their tight ends. You line up in 12 personnel, the defense is going to react very differently to when you have a bunch from two receivers and it's Equinemius St. Brown and Darnell Mooney on the weak side of your formation and you're running crack toss. Part of the magic of what this offense loves to do is to line up receivers, draw out DBs, and immediately challenge the defensive formation, getting replacing basically, like using your wide receivers to block linebackers and defensive ends, peel them out of the play, get offensive linemen and tight ends into open space, and square them up against corners and safeties. Think about it as a change in roles. And I know you know that, Nick, but for all the listeners out there, that's part of the goal of a lot of these stretch and toss runs that the Bears mm -hmm. love so much and take from the Shanahan days. It is the value. Literally, they would look you dead in the eyes and they would say, I'd rather have a receiver like EQ that can block than a tight end that could block equally because the defense is going to expect the tight end to block, but they're going to constantly get surprised oh, by yeah. EQ blocking, even though they shouldn't. Well, well, Lewis is basically an offensive lineman at this yes. point in his career. But, but the one good, good point here I think you're making is, is when there's those outside, you can think outside zone, tosses. I mean, one thing I like with Velas added value is all those jet sweeps he scored yes. on or, or the, the you know the touch pass, whatever you want to call it. He scored on, what, two of those last year? Yeah, he did, um, and picked up first and, downs on others. Yeah, and I, that was one of, one of Fields' first touchdowns. But anyways, um, is when you go to the outside like that, those DBs can't cut those linemen anymore. Right. That's one of the things they always would do is they would chop them down. So whether it's a receiver or whomever. And so that's why there's a lot more outside runs go happening in the NFL right now. And those screenplays. So you throw just a bubble, you get clay pool, you get St. Brown out there. You have a huge man blocking. Honestly, just corners aren't as strong as these big, I mean, they're six, four, six, five. I mean, like they're really strong guys. So it is advantageous. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And so I tend to think that those six will make the roster. Massive hat tip to Fountain and the way that he's played, as well as a couple other different receivers. But I do think that this is the part of camp where a lot of people will start looking at the sixth best receiver and taking it very literally. But once you get past Tyler Scott, 
because Scott doesn't play teams, you need teamers and role players. And nobody defines that better to me than Equinamia St. Brown, who's a blocking, like he's a blocking teamer and he is a blocking receiver. And Valus Jones, that is a special teams, I the hope would be. He becomes a special teams ace, but also can be a gadget player that number 12 enters the game. The defense ignores him because he's not really on the scouting report. And then he takes a sweep for one first down, and that's his whole offensive output. But you get one touch, and it's efficient. Like well, it's, it's better than St. Brown doing it last year, who, who was effective at times. I'd rather have Bayless doing that. Bayless is actually kind of a sweet blocker, too. Like, he's 200 pounds, he's six foot tall, and he throws hands. Like, you go back and watch that first preseason game, and he makes a huge block downfield on Khalil Herbert's screen, as well as at Tennessee, he made a ton of blocks. I digress. That's a whole scouting report conversation for another time. Valus very clearly has the yips when it comes to punt cover or punt returns. I don't want to pretend that it would be sane for Hightower to put him back there catching punts. It's not if... It's not if he muffs one, it's when. And you're going to have massive egg on your face if week one, week two, week three, week four, week eight, Valus muffs a punt and the whole the whole of Chicago comes yeah. hunting your head because yeah. everybody is just on pins and needles when uh, when Valus Jones is back there looking to catch a punt. It's, it's a toxic situation for everybody. I think we'd both agree. But right. that is actually taking away the like it's taking everybody's eyes off of a player who despite a hamstring injury throughout all of camp actually had a pretty dangerous looking season last year like he stacked a corner against dallas got wide open downfield and dropped a ball that hit him in the hands it sucks but it's harder to get open in the nfl than it is to learn to catch the football then Mm -hmm. later in the season he had that sweet catch against buffalo 47 yards downfield and then in a week 18 game that nobody was watching he took a jet sweep broke two tackles got up field and scored like, I don't want to sound like I am just stumping for Valus Jones, but he did do things that would make any offensive coach legitimately excited. Am I crazy, Nick? Well, well, and and he has that um he's fighting. He cares. He wants it. Like, like that that run for a touchdown, he stayed in bounds when he didn't have to. Some he receiver. Didn't. I mean, t- Tyler Scott would go out of bounds, to be honest. He stayed inbound and fought through, and they thought he went out of bounds, and boom, and he went for a touchdown. Same thing on that catch against the Bills, where he caught it, and then he got up, right, thinking he didn't he didn't touch down because he wanted to fight for more yardage. And that's someone that you do want on special teams as well, just like you're talking about. And also, in the end, uh, selfishly, I'd rather have the 4-3 guys on my team than the guys that aren't 4-3 that can just, whether it's covering kicks, covering punts, Whatever it might be, I'd rather have fast guys. Can't teach speed. You, nope. you can't teach. It's a hard truth, but it makes speed such a valuable commodity. But anyways, let's move on to running backs. Who were your running backs? Um, I, I have the the four. Herbert, Foreman, Roshan Johnson, and Travis Homer. I think that's that's – is that who you have as well? I cut Foreman. <laughs> so Whoa. In 2022, the Bears carried three running backs. They carried uh, Herbert, Montgomery, and Ebner. And I think Homer is a direct upgrade over Ebner. I think Roshan Johnson makes Deontay Foreman redundant. And if I wanted to keep Badgett on the team, which I did, I needed a spot. And so I got aggressive and cut Foreman because I looked it up. He doesn't play teams. And so if Roshan Johnson is going to replace Deontay Foreman, yeah, it sucks that you lose. I think it's about a million, either that or it's 850K it's one, in, one million, yeah. in dead cap. But you, I think, end up keeping a player in Bedgen that'll save you more money down the road because you can't. You can't go into 2023 with your quarterback room as Justin Fields and Tyson Bajant. I'm, I'm correcting myself. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, um, let, 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 let's just take a minute, okay? So, you know, for everyone out there, right, Tyson, we're excited about him, right? Saying his last name has caused for some controversy. I, I've, I've told a couple of yeah. people because you know, <laughs> some, someone has helped me out with this, okay? And, and think of the, the name Agent and add a B in front. It's Secret Bajant, man. Uh, but so there you go. But uh, to, go to me, Tyson Bajan, any any rookie, basically in the modern NFL, any rookie is set to be quarterback one or quarterback three, but not quarterback two, because quarterback two is a spot. It, it's like a fireman meets coach on the field. 
And so that's the that's the quarterback one's peer. That's the other guy who's watching the defense at the level of playing that position that sat in all the quarterback rooms and knows the game plan. He's the guy who taps Fields on the shoulder and says, hey, man, we talked about this. We talked about not doing that, remember? And Fields goes, yeah, yeah, you're right, and goes back out the next series. Or he's the guy who watches and goes, hey, do you see that, uh, do you see that inside linebacker? He's cheating every time they blitz. If you see him leaning this way, he's coming. And then we post clips on Twitter the next day about how Fields caught a blitz, but it wasn't him. It was right. your second quarterback. Bajit hasn't been around enough to see that. And it's great that he has so much experience from Shepard. You pick this up from playing professional football. So to me, you have to have three quarterbacks on the roster. If only there was a team recently, Nick, that had showed us that this was a viable way to succeed. Oh, wait, it's exactly what San Fran did last year. And it worked. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback in fields that's probably going to take 120 hits this year. Not really a great way around it. So you're already exposing yourself to injury. And then if fate just betrays you, you'll need your quarterback three. I actually think it's very reasonable, despite the fact that Bajit might get through waivers, to roster him outright and plan around using that 47th active roster spot that you get with the new quarterback rule. I needed an offensive spot because I'm assuming the Bears value balance. And if I kept Foreman and Bajan, I was going to have 26 players on the offense. I was going to need to take another player out of an already light defense. And I figured Matt Eberflus would just not let that happen. So <laughs> I ended up declaring Foreman redundant. That's one of my two big hot takes in this 53. So, so here's okay, yeah, and, that, and well, you let let into quarterbacking too. So, I think there's a debate of who the third quarterback is because I think Fields and Bajent are are, I think they're locks because while Bajent doesn't have the experience, he has the future that you're like, he's too good to let someone else make their third quarterback, which I think a lot of teams would, to be honest with you. I know Somebody people think will. he's Probably. cheap. He's cheap and he can play. Like that's what you're searching for now, all the time. The, so what the Bears have going for them that we talked about last time, but I want to say it again, is that any team that picks him up, the Bears probably can't expect anything meaningful out of him until week 12. Any team that picks him up has to reteach him their playbook. They probably mm -hmm. can't expect anything out of him for the entire season, like mm -hmm. reasonably speaking. So yeah. it's it's a big investment for any team that would claim Bajan because you talk about a quarterback. You can't be imperfect. Like, you can hand the running back the ball and say, we're running wide zone. Just run wide zone. And they'll get over it. But a quarterback, they got to know everything. So the argument towards cutting Bajan would be, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to take that risk. But with this brand new rule, Nick, just takes one guy. Just takes yep. one team that says... Hey, what if we just rostered the kid? What are they going to do about it? We've got mm -hmm. we got enough guys. We're Arizona. We're going to suck. Like, what if he's good? And they pick him up, your plan is ruined. Because yeah. I don't think a kid like Tyson Bajic grows on trees, you know? So, so no, I'm I completely with you. Like, I think he's... this is It's just wild that he's too valuable to cut. But, I mean, whatever. It's, it's a great problem to have. Here's the other question. So, I also have Walker as my other quarterback. Mm -hmm. But here, I think there's a debate. Who is going to be a better teacher for both of them? Because yep. they're both younger, Fields and Bajan. Is it Nathan Peterman or is it P.J. Walker? That's because one, one of them, I think, is a better football player. One of them has more experience. And, and so I don't them, know who you keep. One of them has $2 million in guarantees. And to me, that's where I use the money talks argument. I say Ryan Poles silently placed a pretty big bet on P.J. Walker, just in the world of guarantees. It's not even that big a bet, but it probably matters to him, right? Cutting a one-year deal guy doesn't matter as much as cutting a guy that you guaranteed a little bit of money that was a former XFL MVP and played a little bit with D.J. Moore last year. It's totally just a vibe that I get, but it wouldn't surprise mm -hmm. me that if the Bears... Maybe the Bears really do have an open competition. Maybe they really are that disappointed with P.J. Walker. Maybe they get even crazier. And if a good, a decent quarterback gets cut that's been around the block, yeah. they pick somebody up on waivers and pretend he's hurt the moment he gets in a game so that Bajit can be the actual QB2 despite being the nominal QB3. I don't know. Weird stuff could happen with this mm -hmm. new rule. But... It's to me at least the Walker thing seems as much a 
we told you you would be the QB2 and we're sticking to what we said as anything else. Just because if you really went into the NFL or like an NFL season, an important one, no less, and your two quarterbacks, like quarterback one and two, were a third year guy that gets hurt a decent amount and a UDFA rookie, you are kind of begging for disaster. And if mm-hmm. as long as he's a quarterback three, you know what? Whatever he brings to the table, great. And if he brings nothing to the table, nobody's going to really slap you on the wrist, right? But So so I'm trying to think of, if, if I have this correctly, let's say they let go of P.J. Walker. Yes. And Nathan Peterman. Yeah. So Walker carries $2 million guaranteed. Yes. If someone were to claim him, they would have to pay him the $2 million, correct? It depends on how they did the offset language in his contract, to my understanding. Okay. But usually, yes. Uh, yeah. And that's if they claim his contract. Many times right. they'll just let the contract expire and then re-sign yeah. him. Uh, so right. he would clear waivers and then they would renegotiate. Right. But I mean, they could have one of those two on the practice squad and that could cover you and save you your roster spot as well. That depends on if they've got enough experience to go on to the practice squad because you can't There's practice a, squad anybody. Yeah, you can. There's three levels to it. You can have a um, rookies or, or, or right. second year guys that haven't played. You can have, there's an exception where it's like only so many years of experience and, and right. active game day rosters. And then there is veterans. You can have up to six veterans no that kidding. have, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, there were some teams last year that were like contenders and they were like stashing like Sony Michelle and like whomever. <laughs> and you're like, this guy's been around forever See, and started, but like you can. I assumed that when Tyler Bray aged out, that it was everybody under some kind of age requirement for the practice squad. But that makes a lot of sense. Back yeah, to- it, it changed. Well, it's 16 deep, 15 deep, I think. No, it's really big. Yeah, it is. And thank God for it. I think the NFL could use yes. more official ways to keep bodies involved in the game, especially mm-hmm. for something as violent as this. Anyways, yeah. back to the, the hot take, just for a very quick moment. To me, this would be an admission that Roshan, Roshan Johnson would just be getting all the reps that we thought he was going to. We saw this in the first preseason game. The Bears gave him way more than a fair, his fair share of touches and schemed them so that he could show his prowess as a runner, as a receiver. And then in the second game, he comes in immediately after Foreman, faster than he did in the last game. And he's on that drive where the Bears just chew down or chew their way down the field. Roshan Johnson looked great in the process, by the way, catching both a screen and ripping off a couple of uh, explosive runs. And I just can't help but think that you're trying to build a thunder and lightning pair with Herbert and Foreman slash Johnson, but why wouldn't you just hand one guy the ball? Like, yes, you could share the power load between the two, but one guy is going to see the like see the field consistently. You you've probably seen this plenty of as as a coach, but a running back is going to see the defense move and basically counter with the defense uh, as they adapt to the way that he's running throughout the game. More touches doesn't always get everybody going, but I just can't help but think to myself that the fact that Foreman isn't involved in special teams makes him more vulnerable than we want to think as Johnson rises up. Does that make sense? No, I th- I think one hundred percent, and that's that's the game is like because Herbert doesn't. I mean, he does some kick returning, but like he doesn't play special teams either. No, he just starts. And, <laughs> and well, well, but also he is. I know he's he's the quote unquote starter. He also is the only guy of the of the running backs that is not picked by Ryan Poles. Yes, he's but inherited. I love the argument. This is the way I always like to phrase it. Year two of a GM, you were picked by being left on the roster. Like, it's not that explicit, right? Because obviously it's a manageable contract. But the it, because the Bears didn't openly replace him, he got chosen, in a sense. It's like the Darnell Mooney thing, right? Yes, Ryan Poles didn't pick Darnell Mooney. But at the same time, Darnell Mooney's clearly a part of the Bears' plans because Ryan Poles built a spot for him, like, within the offense. It's, does that make sense? So- no, I no, I get it. So we're gonna have a fun debate here. I didn't I did not know this was gonna happen. So I mean, while Darnell Mooney is a part of the plan, they also brought in uh two big time receivers yes. and Tyler Scott, which means he's not the man. Um, with Khalil Herbert on the roster last year, the new regime decided to give an inefficient David Montgomery way more carries. Yes, despite Herbert averaging almost 0.5 more and and one, one statistic that i like is expected yards per carry so oh, they yeah. they go through fronts and how blocks work etc so herbert was way more effective i know yes. people like yards per carry but that gets flawed when you're 
he breaks long runs. Montgomery doesn't really do that. So anyways, he was way more effective, yet yep. they still turn to Montgomery. And yes. I know there's pass pro and there's receiving. So uh. now, <laughs> offseason, they sign Foreman. They sign Homer. They yep. draft Roshan Johnson. Yes. And we're going to expect Herbert's the guy? For I think he's the first guy for a season. My you, You're really digging into my uh, tinfoil stuff, but <laughs> I definitely looked last Good. year at Screw the... Uh, Let's go. Well, I looked last year and I was like, I thought that that team was built to lose games. And they sure, they sure did a good job of it. I mean, they obviously got the number one overall pick. But within that, if they were built to lose games, then you would immediately identify which running back you liked the most and you would use him the least. Because if you needed him for the future, you want the tread going on the other guy's tires. And then you're going to let him walk in for agency, which they did. And so it, this is, again, this could be me overthinking myself. But I looked at a guy like Herbert, and I was like, they identified that he was an explosive runner. And they said, we are not trying to win explicitly. Like, we, not that they're trying to lose, but they're building this offense around David Montgomery because I kind of got the impression that they wanted a flawed plan. I mean, that's, that is me way <laughs> way out there and i know yeah, that look, but come there's so, there's so much weird luck that just went against them oh in the wrong oh, moments they kept <laughs> putting baitless back there as a punt returner you know they would run on the third and long I, hey I, I, i'm with you there That's we lost so, <laughs> but if they, if they believe in herbert why did they invest in all of these running backs because herbert is one note he's a he's a great runner and he's a super subpar catcher of the football and a bad blocker he's not complete if that makes sense roshan is a phenomenal complete running back but he's not the speed threat and with somebody like justin fields i do think it's helpful to build zone reads where you've got two of the faster guys on the football field with options to go either direction you're going to split yeah. the defense like the red oh, yeah. sea but yes. so yeah. you're building a holistic running back room and you're planning for injury because you're still not going to try to feature i mean they're still not trying to pay Khalil herbert this is kind of his one year right and if he plays really well i think he's going to go off and he's going to be a free agent somewhere else i don't think he's, Paul's, he's got two he's got two years left oh even better <laughs> I don't know why I thought he was a free agent. Well, he, he, was, he was a six-on pick, and they get four-year deals, and he's entering year three. Somehow I thought he was uh, he had just finished year three, clearly. I know. But I know. Uh, it's been long years, man. But so no, a, but no, but that that's good news because he's he's cheap. With Darnell Mooney, to go back to that, if we're talking top-down, and I don't want to dig too deep, we got to get to the defense in the 53. <laughs> but I actually see the DJ Moore trade as a small, like, lowercase r referendum on the Claypool trade. Like, I see that as one of my favorite moves in Paul's tenure because they traded for Chase Claypool, and then they immediately said, okay, so that did not do what we wanted it to do. We wanted a number one receiver. We still don't have one. Let's mm -hmm. go get a number one receiver. Yep. And now it is a straight scrap between Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, for which which of them are going to stay on the roster. Because more than likely, the Bears aren't going to pay three receivers. Unless they go crazy. At which point, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll pay three receivers if we have or, to. Or it's manageable. Yeah, exactly. You could, you mm -hmm. could make it work. But I can't help but think that the clay so it's not specifically that like ryan poles turned away from the claypool move but if ryan poles let me build a very human scenario valued athletic traits over all things and then ended the year and went gee the two receivers i picked are valus jones and chase claypool and uh they combined for 400 yards total maybe this isn't working because they immediately pivoted to tyler scott who's less of an athletic king and more of speedy and more technical as a receiver. Mm -hmm. But in early preseason action, Scott looks like it's going to take a little while for him to really come online. Mm -hmm. That's fine. He's a rookie. I'm super down on most rookies. I don't know if you know that. But I, well, think, I, we, I think we should be. I think we get way too high on rookies all mm -hmm. the time. We assume mm -hmm. that they're going to walk in and look like Tristan Wirfs. And there's a reason it was so weird when Wirfs did that. And so mm -hmm. you look at you look at a guy like Scott, and my thought is, if you're going to kick Mooney to the curb as a fifth-round receiver that has already picked up a 1,000 yards in his career and, I thought, was more held back by Fields than Fields was held back by him in his 11 games last year, I kind of think you're being you're being very optimistic on what Scott's going to become because that's like the, in the world of stats, oh, that's the 90th yeah. percentile outcome on what Scott would be. Does that make right. sense? Like, no, no, no. Cause I, I remember we had that, that Twitter debate a while mm -hmm. ago. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think that one's I think that one's a little bit more like we have to see what happens this year, like who's we healthy, do. who's not. I, I have one more thing, and then we got to jump to defense. Yes, with a running back. Okay, so let's say you're you're cognizant of special teams. You want this holistic running yes. back room, etc. Why not cut Travis Homer then? So uh, my understanding is that Homer is the special teams ace. Like my again, it's just my understanding. But his role in Seattle was gunning and coverage and the tackling parts of special teams. Yeah. And so you need guys that are going to do that for you. Mm -hmm. And so I kept Homer around for that reason. Like third down back that plays special teams, basically in the world of if I'm picking one, I'm picking the guy that plays teams so that I can try to keep Roshan from having to play them. But yeah. that's that was just my two cents. I'm also yeah. looking for a guy to cut because to me, the rest of the offensive roster, I want. And in a straight decision between Foreman and Badgett, I pick Badgett. Or Badgett. I, ah. that's, that's just me. Let's get yeah. to the defense and I'll show you why there's not another hole over there. So sure. we'll start with the edges, which is my second hot take, because I have Walker, I have Ngakawe, I have Robinson, I have Lewis, and I have Gibson. I can't keep Raseem Green. He has shown me nothing. I will eat the dead money and take the two guys that have played with their hair on fire and figure the rest out later do we have he's off my list too and it's only it's only 850k that's going right. to be dead money i don't think that's that much maybe he's bald in camp because his preseason has been nothing at all you talked on the post game pod we did a while ago about like man dominic robinson is showing me nothing he's showing me more than raseem green is like truly i'm not trying i don't I'm not one who wants to criticize professional athletes beyond the realm of humanity. I get it. Not everybody has a great game. But Green's whole thing was run defense, and he's getting smoked on the edge right now. And that really bothers me because if you're not going to contribute as a pass rusher, I need you to defend the run. And at least Lewis and Gibson are contributing as pass rushers. Beyond that, Gibson's making plays in the run game. I just don't know how you cut him. Like, I, I really don't. No, now I'm with you. I'm I'm out on green. I think also if you think of the position like a little bit of developmental wise, Robinson again converted defensive Super end. Young. You know, from all young, he's figuring it out. Lewis is young. Um, Gibson's you know still younger ish. Like like they're all they have a potential to be more. Rasheem Green is what he is. Like yes. I don't think he's ever going to be way more than that. So if you're going to get rid of a vet because you did sign a vet that we didn't have when we signed him. That makes sense. And I think Gibson can immediately slot up the depth chart and play edge three. Like, I I still think rotational edge three makes a lot more sense for a guy like Gibson. And because he's as seasoned as he is, you're a little more certain you know what you're going to get from him. But yep. a lot of this blends in. You can't talk edge without talking defensive tackle. I've got four of them. Do you have more? Yep, I got four. I think it's the main four. Justin Jones, Andrew either. Billings, Dexter, and Pickens. It's the only choice. How many yep. linebackers did you have? Now, I I thought about keeping a 50 tackle. So so I think that's a conversation we can we can have. I had I had the first I have a list of the first six guys I have out in terms of that I was thinking about keeping and, and they just got out. So Roy was the one I thought about keeping. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of him because he's actually a better pass rusher than run defender, which is weird because he's like huge. He's right. like 320, 330. But for the simple fact that we have two kids back there. Yes. And and if they do struggle, I wanted another vet to put in there. And I'm worried, sick, as you are, about stopping the run. And like, yes. so if we can have another big body, and I don't care, you put Walker on one, one edge, and then you put it at D tackle on the other one because it's a third and short, I'd feel better about it. So that, I thought about it, but then I couldn't make the numbers work. So I took him out. I couldn't make the numbers work either. Not to mention, the main thing I always thought about is how far away is this player? from a replacement level player. And I'm not convinced Bravion Roy is worth worse than Danny Shelton or Arman Watts or whoever else the Bears could find at week yep. four, if that's what it took. And so yep. if the Bears are really bleeding in the run game, my thought would be that they could figure it out then. But yep. let's get to linebackers because I got some weird ones here too. How here many linebackers go. did you take? Yep. Uh, so I have five linebackers. I have Edmonds, Edwards, Sanborn, I did put in your boy, Noah Sewell, right? I'm kidding. Because um, last time we debated on that one. And then He's I a kept... fifth round pick. He's not getting cut. 
<laughs> okay, so so that's one thing. That's one thing I wanted to bring up earlier. You're 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 pretty hyped about the offense. We're going to learn a lot about Ryan Poles this year. Yes. Will he cut guys he drafted that were higher than a seventh round pick, or guys he signed and be like, hey, you know what? I messed up. Because we haven't seen it yet. We so we talked yet. about Foreman. We, I mean, it could be Valus. It could be Noah. It could be Dominic Robinson. He could just be like, hey, cut his losses. Or is he going to be stubborn and he's going to hold on to all of his guys? The good news for him in this case is that I don't think that there's any glaringly obvious choice that he has to make. A lot of people would point to Valus. I don't think that there's a sixth receiver that begs me to put him on the roster over Valus Jones at this point. Unless someone cuts. Unless, a, yeah, unless somebody fire, I don't know, like Nicole Hardman or somebody like that. Like, not, not, I, that was even more of like a name than anything else. I'd have to really think about it. Jakeem like, Grant. Jakeem Grant would be Bring awesome. Yeah, exactly. But so you look at, uh, you look at this position, for instance, and the Bears just aren't deep enough for me to not include Sewell just by default. Right, right. But I kept six because I needed teamers. And so I I took uh, Edmonds, Edwards, Sanborn, Sewell. I really like what Bas- Baskerville has brought. He's well, cheap, he was my fifth, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a cheap UDFA. And in the second game, not only did he play pretty soon, but he's been running the pole on uh, playing Mike linebacker. And I think the Bears you view that position as sort of a position of honor. Like if you could play that in our defense, we'll keep you in a lot of cases. And so the fact that he made that play in coverage really sticks out to me as this UDFA is going crazy. I bet he could cover punts. And so as soon as I start thinking that I get there. And then I also kept Michael, uh, Michael Walker uh, just because I, I couldn't justify another DB. Like, I really went back and forth between 2022's roster composition. They had six linebackers then. And they also had 11 DBs. So I knew that I needed a certain amount of defenders. But we'll get to the DBs. I started really scraping the barrel to justify well, putting most well, of the let, let me tell you why, why I'm against Michael Walker. Go for it. He cost two point seven four three million. Yeah, it's true. Which is very, very different. And Baskerville's seven point four three. Because they picked him up there's as a waiver claim, therefore yes. assuming his contract. I, I almost think there's no chance he makes the roster because of that figure. I wouldn't. He will be. He's if I had to rank him, he's my fifty third guy on the roster and the first to go in a waiver claim scenario. I mean, and, and for for people to think about this. We had two million guaranteed to, to PJ Walker. If you're like, we have to keep Walker because of that money. Why yeah. do we have to give this guy for I mean you, That's know, a you great really have point. to think about that? So I'm I'm really against him, although I think he is a player that's better than maybe our 53rd or 52nd guy. I just think the money involved and the developmental potential just doesn't make sense to me. You're pretty much making the same argument that I just made for Valus in reverse. So you got me yep. there and I'm with you. <laughs> so yep. I I would need another guy because let's get to corner. Okay, sure, and yeah, we're gonna yep. we're gonna split corner and nickel corner because that's how Arlet says it. So I'm just I'm just riding with them. Uh, yeah. I've got four. I have Jalen. I have Tyreek Stevenson. I have uh, Smith, Terrell Smith, and then I had to include Jalen Jones because you need four outside corners. He plays well, special and, teams, and he's so good on special teams. He, he had like three tackles teams. the other week. Like he's good. Yeah. And it's so funny because you look at it and people online. I don't blame anybody for being like Jalen Jones isn't making the roster, and I'm like he he is. I, I hate to. Tell I think him. he's almost guaranteed to make the roster. <laughs> Well, Ni- although he was dinged up, the only thing would be injury. That'd be the only reason. Right. Did you have more than four? No, those are my four outside corners. Nickel corner. I think we both agree it's Gordon and Blackwell. Spider-Man. Spider-Man and his surprisingly competent backup that plays a lot of teams. So, because the DBs, these are your team dudes. Like Josh Blackwell? Is that your sixth? Yes, right? Blackwell. Yeah, okay. Making sure, yeah. Like, they hit people for a living. They love contact. So, sort of. I guess not every DB loves contact. But they probably love it more than receivers do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these are where you get your teamers from. And then safety breaks my heart because I had to include AJ Thomas for the yep. fourth one. But, yep. like, the Bears don't have any safeties. So. This is my last podcast. Yes. I thought this what I'm worried about. <laughs> well, but, but last year, last year they kept five. Yeah, they did. And the initial cuts. And I'm like, I, I mean, because the other one would be what Braylon Trahan. Is that how you say his name? Maybe, um, but I'm just so unenthusiastic. I'm I already know, like, unenthusiastic you, about AJ Thomas. I know. Like, how do you keep him? So I, so 
So yeah, so we're in agreement there, and then we have the three special teamers. I don't think we even have to like even mention no. them. We're going to keep those three. They made the team. So, Congrats, guys. Yeah. So so the main differences we have is you have a sixth linebacker, mm-hmm. right? Which I did for teams. Like I basically was trying to kick another guy the defense's direction because yeah. if I got to choose, you could cut Walker and keep Foreman. But then I don't know if the if Hightower and Allen Williams are going to jump down my throat for lack of depth, and I could envision they would. The Bears kept six linebackers last year, so I just plugged another linebacker in, but there's not some sixth linebacker other than Walker. Not even Walker's really calling my name. He's just the latest guy they picked up off waivers, right. to be honest right. with you, and they could yeah. easily pick up a waiver claim. They're probably going to pick up, I would guess, three. You, let's stop there. Realistically, over, under, how many waiver claims do you expect uh, between now and week one. Right. So, so the interesting That's thing stick. is last, last year they picked up six, which I know the roster wasn't as good last year and they're, they're fixing it. So last year was six. Um, I think that they will. So let me look my last, well, this might be interesting uh, exercise. I'll answer that in a second, but here's my last um, seven guys I have in. Mm-hmm. So Walker, PJ Walker, AJ Thomas, Baskerville, Bayless, Dominic Robinson. I know you disagree with me on that one. Homer and Blackwell. Those are my bottom seven guys that made the roster, which I think is a huge testament to Bajan and Terrell Lewis, honestly. But so I, of that group, I could see them getting rid of four. Right. To me, by the way, Dominic Robinson, the only reason I think that way is because I can see where they're playing him in the preseason immediately and taking him out by the end of the first quarter. I can see what they're trying to do. They see him as a long-term project. It would, he would have to be like not doing his job in practice and in meeting rooms for them to cut him. And my guess would be if he was already not doing that, he would already be playing in the second half of the preseason games. Does that make sense? Like, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm with you. So I'm actually curious here. So I have a list of six guys that were my first few that were out that didn't make right, the team. Right. Do you have a list of those guys too or no? I could probably name some of them, but... Okay, do you it, want me to go then? Yeah, have it? yes. So so the safety, like Braylon Trahan, which just because they kept five, but I wasn't enthusiastic. Roy, who I talked about already. Mm-hmm. Rasheem Green, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Walker's on there. Kellen Deesh, who I talked about, the one I didn't talk about, we haven't talked about yet, and some people have him making the roster, is Dylan Cole. So Dylan Cole has been injured. He hasn't played a whole lot, but special teams ace. So if you're talking about a special right. teams guy, that could be your potential He's sixth a linebacker. Linebacker, right? linebacker yeah. Is he on IR? So I, he's been injured, but he's the other thing I looked at is he's older. He's 29. So I know that might be a thing. And we say we uh, lose – one hundred thousand dollars in dead cap and save nine ninety two. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because, like you're saying, I mean there's some of that stuff where I don't I don't want to pretend that I'm some crack special teams evaluator. It's why I've stayed away from fifty three man roster predictions for a while. But it just there's somebody there that's going to play that role. It's probably going to be a defender. And so I've got AJ Thomas, that sixth linebacker. Heck, I'm including Baskerville in this as this like you're on the roster for teams. Like, technically, you're depth at another position, but we don't yep. expect you to play. If we mm-hmm. get our way, we're never going to see you outside yep. of teams. So learn that stuff. Mm-hmm. But who, the, go, you ahead. go ahead. Who who do you want that you cut that you would put on the practice squad? Because I have a list of those guys because I think that's important. Some guys I don't want back and some I'm like, I think it would make sense team-wise. Main, do you have a, main yeah. guys I'm thinking about are uh, at least the ones that have popped to me because I've done a bunch of stuff with my kiddo this off season. And so I, uh, I don't have this like long exhaustive list of guys that blew my mind because so few of them climb off the preseason or climb off the practice squad and impact games. But I would keep Deesh. I would keep Kramer. I would keep Bell easily. Like I would keep what Kayvon Williamson, I think is his name, the seventh rounder that they took as a Kendall Williamson. Kendall Williamson, thank you. Uh, but outside of the obvious, and I think those are pretty obvious, I there's nobody that I'm like begging for that I didn't find a way to stick on the 53. Who are you thinking Mm -hmm. of? Well, okay, it depends on what's going to happen here. Um, so let's say your scenario happens, they cut form and they keep another linebacker. I think Tristan Ebner makes sense to try Easy. and get on that practice squad. So, but if if you keep four, I don't think that you need Ebner. 
per se, but you could potentially. Um, I think DeAnthony Jones is a guy that, hey, put him on there. The, yeah. the, the DeAnthony made some plays. He's young. You know, you're going to want another edge guy potentially on that squad. You have 16 Can't spots. have enough of them as long as they're yep. good. Yep. I think you're going to want some veteran spots on there because you can, are allowed them. So I think D-tackle would be one for sure. Yes. Potentially safety, and you might try and sneak Peterman on there. I would try. If, if the Bears could get him back, I would absolutely keep Peterman just in the quarterback room. Exactly. Because he's been around. I mean, to me, the biggest thing I saw within this 53 exercise is that you do actually have to work a little bit. Like, there is, ironically, exactly one difficult decision. And it's between Bajan and whoever your last guy on the roster is. Because mm -hmm. to me, there's just too many offensive players that we want, especially because Jenkins and Davis, Whitehair, and Patrick have all gotten nicked up enough that you just have to have that ninth offensive lineman. Uh, if the Bears yeah. were with 10 offensive linemen, I wouldn't even be shocked. I don't know who it would be. I think that the nine that we've mentioned are a clear cut above everybody yes. else. But even so, like you could add a cut candidate and cut nobody from the offensive line. And I wouldn't be surprised because the Bears could look at the situation. They could say, we have too much invested in Alex Leatherwood. We have too much invested in Lucas Patrick. We are not cutting Jatiree Carter. We will lose him. And like Larry Borum is blossoming at exactly the right time. Yep. We'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. in that setting, they'd probably IR Jenkins. Like if they brought in a 10th guy, they'd stick Jenkins on IR and they'd figure it out later. But mm -hmm. um, I, I want Bajan on this roster, man. Like, I think the prospect of a developmental quarterback is too much fun for me as a fan. I do think it makes sense, but I got to admit my bias. Part of me just wants it to happen, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> well, how, when's the last time we had a developmental quarterback that's backing up that, like, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, you could develop him, and then you could potentially trade him for a profit. Like, there's so many good things that can happen from it, and so many bad things that can happen if he goes. If he does it on another team, like, we're, we're as Bear fans, we're going to be so pissed. And it's a copycat league. Sue me for taking a look at a kid that plays a very similar style of ball, playing in an extremely similar offensive framework and dominating just because he got the ball out on time, made quick decisions, and trusted his playmakers. DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Kmet, and Chase Claypool aren't Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. But you know what? It's better than it was last year. And oh, so I oh, way better. Like I, I can't help but look at a kid like Bajan and think to myself, like, hey, you've actually got a decent athlete here who was devalued for my favorite reason, a stupid one. Like, because he played D2 ball. And yep. so apparently he's had pretty good practices. Like, if the this comes down, honestly, to did he pop in the preseason and that was it. Because if he's been invisible all throughout camp but he only popped in the preseason guys like you and me are going to be hung out to dry because yep. we just don't know. But yep. if he's been consistently good and I would be surprised if he wasn't because him getting that second opportunity in the first half within the Colts game, second game of the preseason. I don't know about you, Nick. That's a pretty big achievement. Mm -hmm. If you ask me well, like, well, and, and if, and if I'm, well, first off, I'm going to get a plug. If you're, if you guys aren't on Robert's YouTube, he just put out that the, the, the drive of a game or I don't know what you call it, but dissecting um, a drive. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> drive, yeah. Um, he did one on, on Bajan's big drive, which is, which is good. And on that drive, he's made, he made three checks. Audibles, however you want to call it, can kills. I mean, so many different things, which to me thinks he's he's ready for it. And if it's between keeping Bajan, here I'm, I'm gonna, I'll put this out there. If it's between keeping Bajan or Foreman, I want Bajan. Right. I I can't help but look at it, and I thought to myself, of course I would like Deontay Foreman on the roster, but you got to make choices at some point. And so the moment that I got down to it, to me, that was what it came to. It, like, it was so interesting seeing the funnel because there was a while where I thought it was Bajan versus Michael Walker versus Alex Leatherwood. And the more that I redid my tweet, because I kept screwing up and making it only 52 guys, um, the more <laughs> I kept realizing that Leatherwood had a spot. It, it had his name on it. There's no way I couldn't put him on. Like, nope. and so... It, became, it just became so interesting to me because with this new quarterback three rule, not every team is going to care, truly. Like, not every team is going to use a third quarterback, but you're talking about a free-dressed player. Like, there's more incentive than ever 
to roster three quarterbacks. It used mm-hmm. to be we're rostering three quarterbacks when we feel like we really have to. Now it may be 50-50 across the league rostering three quarterbacks. And that third one is the ideal devent- developmental spot because now you've got the excuse that you could have him on the roster as a third quarterback but then bump him to quarterback two whenever he's actually able to play. And I actually wonder, because if that if that trend gets popular across the league, the bear or like the NFL may see more exciting developmental quarterbacks that coming in or that are coming in for backup roles. And I actually think that'd just be flat out good for the product. Because oh, yeah. for, as, for the league. For as interesting as it is to watch John Woodward or uh, Colt McCoy start meaningful football games, we tend to turn the TV off for a lot of those because we kind of know how they're going to go. If you told me Brett Ripien was starting a game, I go, Brett Ripien is starting a game? I got to see this. Dude, you know I, 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 mean? I, I, liked, I liked Brett Ripien. I did. I liked it, <laughs> but still, I get it. Well, and This goes back to there, there's no minor league system for, for the NFL, and there should be. I mean, I know that we have all these other leagues that keep trying and they keep failing because of funding, but because that that hurts you to develop someone. Look at Trey Lance right now. He needs reps, he and he needs can't reps. get them. He just can't, and so that's what's hurting him. But if you can keep guys around and develop them in terms of their knowledge, like Bajan, and they've already had the reps, it's just such a plus. Bajan is in that awful scenario that I think so many Americans have been in at some point in their life where the only thing that's keeping him from QB2 is years of experience. And the only way he's <laughs> going to get years of experience is by somehow getting the job. So yep. they, it's it's a tough, rock and a hard place. I do think he's earned it. I have not, I'm not in the room. And this is where, Nick, you and I are going to be at our most speculative because we just don't have the tape that matters. That's the practice tape. No. Like for this stuff that's it but regardless i tend to think the two of us have brought up a a couple interesting points to talk about over the water cooler if nothing else right i mean i'm glad that well one i'm glad that we disagreed today i think i think that's fun in terms of the the running back and the receiver and how it's going to work but i think the biggest thing that we brought up is that i think the bajan thing is legit and if we cut him someone will pick him up because the three crack rule only makes sense for playing well on the field. If you guys get hurt, you want a third guy. They made this rule specially for that. And I don't think teams are going to chance that. I just think that too many guys, eight quarterbacks, Robert, started every game last year. Eight. Yep. That's not many. Okay. Then one guy gets hurt. What happens if that guy gets hurt? I mean, you're you're screwed because it keeps going down. I think I think half the league started 13 games. So I mean, there's there's a lot of injuries that happen in that big position that you need a guy to develop. So I think if the Bears cut him, someone will pick him up. And it gets extra tough, too, because the argument back would be, well, you can figure it out. I mean, you could try to get – you could get Bajan on the practice squad, and the person who thinks you can cut him would be like – and when nobody picks him up, you could put him on the practice squad, and if Fields gets hurt, then you can IR Fields – call uh, Bajan up to the roster and now he's your QB too and there's nothing to worry about. And the problem is is that eventually the, the league will pick pick apart all the quarterback uh, talent in it and you're left starting Kendall Hilton because you couldn't get another quarterback into the oh, offense. Like, could, it, it happens. Could, oh, yeah. I don't even know if this is legal or not. Could Chicago cut Bajan? And then claim him because they have the first waiver claim. Can they claim their own guy they cut? Uh, I don't think they can. I don't. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, well, just to, to see who all gets roster. cut, all of the teams. Well, you, then, well, you still have to get him on the active roster, right? Because if you were the first team to claim him, uh, all you would be doing is measuring his interest and the league. I, would but yeah, I mean, but then seeing, uh, seeing the quality <laughs> of everyone else too. You know? <laughs> it'd be it'd be interesting. They could do it. I wouldn't. If I would just keep no right. Well, I mean, that's a that's a slap in the face to a player. Oh yeah, not to mention confusing. Like you want to piss him off. Like that's a great way to do it. Uh, but I'm. I'm so curious to see how cutdown data goes. I mean, for crying out loud, we got a game that we get to react to on Saturday. So you and I will be there right after the game on this channel, probably live. Uh, I'll see if I can figure out the live streaming piece to this, uh, just because that's how we used to do it over on Second City Gridiron. And I, I do think that makes sense. Like for just a live reaction podcast, if you and I are going to react, we might as well do it that way um but so outside of this i'll get this posted probably what tomorrow morning that'll be thursday
Thursday for all of you guys. And then, uh, guys, out there, for every listener out there, thank you so much if you got to this point. We, Nick and I, are so excited to be bringing you the Best Bears podcast that you, he and I can put together across this season. Please do review us because now that I'm separate from Windy City Gridiron, we got nothing. So we are starting over. I'm getting this thing on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, whatever platform you're on. Please do let me know if I missed it so that I can apply for it because it's all manual right now. But we need reviews. So if you like us, review us. If you don't, please just DM me instead. Uh, <laughs> just keep the thing clean of getting or not. But so either way, thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Nick, you got any final thoughts before we uh, send this one to bed? No, I'm just excited for the actual regular season to start. So we're almost there. Well, no, we're not. Like, strap in, we got three weeks. You say oh, we're no. almost there, it's going to be an eternity. The Packers-Bears matchup is, or like the rivalry, is only going to get that much hotter. I, 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 got, yeah. I got I got one fact for you on that. Yeah. I saw this on, the, on Twitter right before we aired. The Bears-Packers price, the average price of the ticket for that game is the second highest ever for a Bears game on record, like in Soldier Field. I mean... I'm not surprised. This is a whole podcast conversation for another time, so I will leave it at just one sentence. But this is the dawning of two eras simultaneously, but only one of them actually gets to dawn. Like this is a this is one of the most contentious Bears or Packers matchups that I've just about ever seen. And the irony is, Nick, this is a game that could easily be a blowout in either direction if things go the wrong way. If the Bears can't field an NFL offensive line, it may be tough to beat a defense that's got quite a bit of talent on it. On the other hand, if Jordan Love and the Packers offense can't move the ball at all and Justin Fields and the Bears go off, the Bears could shudder the Packers. I mean, especially since they're at home. Like, and not to mention, I don't want to get all storyliney, Nick, but after a season, an off season of abuse from all kinds of fans, haven't you seen guys like Lamar Jackson? Haven't you seen guys like Deshaun Watson, you know, before everything happened? Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Vick back in the day, like, they tend to hit September pretty hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's almost like a, like a Hunger Games. Only one, only one person is going to survive this whole clash. And right. plus, all the bookmarks on tweets is oh going to be ridiculous after that game. Either way, so... Yeah, it's it's exciting, but we have a preseason game ahead of that, so you know. Can't, I I really do like get excited about these because fake football or not, it's football, baby. Like it's mm-hmm. something. I was legitimately mad when Nathan Peterman broke Matt Eberflus's streak, and that lasted for about twenty minutes, and then I never told anybody because that's embarrassing. That's really really embarrassing. But in that moment, man, I am a carnal fan just like anybody else, absolutely rabid for Navy and Orange wins. But that's our 53. Let us know in the comments whether you do or don't agree, where you think we're wrong, whether you're Raseem Green's biggest fan on Earth, whether you think I'm a doofus for suggesting that Foreman uh, might not be on the roster. And then we'll all be wrong together when the Bears claim six guys and wipe half the roster off anyways, right? (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for bearing with us.